Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. UC Berkeley is at the center of a huge debate around housing in the city right now. A group of homeowners sued over the school's plan to enroll more and more students, and won, causing the university to freeze its enrollment. And it sparked a lot of feelings, both in the community and across the state. This story is not unique to Berkeley, although it may be more intense in Berkeley. Uh, Other cities in California are also contending with the imbalance between students and housing. Today, what UC Berkeley's enrollment freeze is all about. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hi there, I'm Randa Dilfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. UC Berkeley is part of the UC system, and that is governed by the regents of the University of California, and they're the ones who actually get to make enrollment decisions about each campus. Francis Dinglespiel is a reporter and co-founder of Berkeley Side and the Oakland Side. Starting around 2007, the Board of Regents told UC Berkeley it needed to increase uh, the number of students attending the university, and the university started to do that. A long time ago, California paid the bulk of the expenses for the operation of the University of California system. The legislature has pulled back the amount of funding it provides 
meaning that the system has to find other sources of revenue in order to operate. And so UC decided to try to find other ways to bring in revenues. And one of the ways to do that was to increase uh, the student enrollment. And of course, this happened when the population of California got bigger. So that, that sort of is one of the reasons this has happened. Okay, so UC Berkeley has been facing this pressure to grow and add more students. But in the meantime, there's actually not enough housing for students and non-students alike in Berkeley. And, and Berkeley is just a very expensive place to live. What has this all meant for the city and debates around housing there? So for a long time, the Berkeley City Council was known as an anti-growth council, and it didn't approve or encourage uh, the construction of housing in the city. Uh, that's changed, but that meant that very little housing was built in Berkeley for a 40-year period. And so as more students came to town, they had to look for housing in the city, and that has led to displacement of some residents in Berkeley. And what that means is that it's very hard to find housing in Berkeley if you're, if you're anybody. And of course, the rents have gone up and up and up. And currently, you know, it's very expensive to live in Berkeley. I want to transition, Francis, to talk about the most recent iteration of this fight. I know that this legal battle has been in the news. When did this all explode? This all sort of started in 2005 when Cal, in doing a long-range plan for the next 20 years, uh, declared that it was only going to increase student enrollment by about 1,650 students. But then a few years later, the region said, no, you've got to increase enrollment much, much more. So over about a 15-year period, UC Berkeley added more than 11,000 students to its campus, but it never held a public hearing on it. It never sort of announced to the community that it was going to increase enrollment by this much. And what uh, ended up happening is this neighborhood group, Save Berkeley Neighborhoods, filed a lawsuit against Cal first filed around late 2018, saying that it had not done a proper environmental review of the increase in the number of students. What can you tell me about Save Berkeley's Neighborhoods? Who are they? Save Berkeley Neighborhoods is a group that has members from a variety of Berkeley's neighborhood uh, associations. Its most prominent uh, member is a man named Phil Bokovoy, who's president of the organization. Phil is an attorney, and he purchased a house in South Berkeley near the Clark Kirk campus many, many years ago. I think he would say that he is asking that UC Berkeley address the impacts of its enrollment growth and sort of, you know, pay attention to the fact that students who are not provided housing by the university have been forced to crowd into houses in his and other neighborhoods, which has led to more noise at night because, you know, students are students. He has been uh, sort of leading the charge uh, against UC's lack of sort of responding to the impacts of that growth. 
In an interview with The Atlantic, Phil Bakavoy said he thinks the university should build more housing in neighboring cities like Richmond or El Cerrito instead of in Berkeley. And when asked whether single-family homes in Berkeley should be converted to fourplexes, he said the neighborhood would, quote, revolt. Bakavoy and Save Berkeley neighborhoods have been fighting UC Berkeley on the issue of growth for years. And one important tool they're using is what's known as CEQA, or the California Environmental Quality Act. CEQA plays a very central role in this story because when a public entity or group wants to build a project, by law, it's required to do a a review of the environmental impacts of that project. And in that review, the entity is supposed to, you know, look at the impacts and see if there's any way to mitigate the impacts, sort of do an examination of what a new project is going to do to a community. What's interesting about this lawsuit is instead of it dealing with the construction of a new building per se, it is looking at the impact of the growth of the number of people. And so this is where the controversy lies. People say, wait a minute, you know, this is a misuse of CEQA because, you know, it's meant to look at projects, not people. But the courts have agreed with, say, Berkeley neighborhoods that UC Berkeley should have examined the impacts of its enrollment growth, and it has not done that. In the past few weeks, this legal battle between UC Berkeley and Save Berkeley neighborhoods got more and more attention. Last Thursday, the California Supreme Court turned down a request by UC Berkeley to postpone a cap on enrollment, which meant that the school would have to send out 5,000 fewer acceptance letters to high school students. And that news set a lot of people in Berkeley off. For the most part, people were pretty outraged by the idea. And, you know, of course, people's hearts went out to those students because, you know, these are obviously hardworking high school seniors and transfer students. And the idea that they would be denied admission because of this fight with a neighborhood group was was outrageous. So the Berkeley City Council and other you know, groups in Berkeley, very forthright about saying, we we don't believe in this. We think this is an abuse of CEQA. This shouldn't be happening. Um, That was also the response, you know, from Governor Newsom. State Senator Scott Wiener introduced a bill trying to overturn this for the future. So there was a lot of outrage on the part of people, both in Berkeley and statewide. Phil Bakavoy and other people involved with Save Berkeley Neighborhoods They said this is a good ruling. They're saying that it was of UC Berkeley's own making and that, um, you know, UC Berkeley uh, could have fixed this problem on its own. So those people, however, were much quieter than the people expressing dismay because, of course, this is a very tense topic in, in town. I also know you were on forum with Alexis Madrigal. I'm curious what comments or callers uh, you heard maybe stood out to you. I think most people called in to express outrage. Got a uh, bunch of uh, comments coming in. One listener tweets, I'm literally commuting from Santa Rosa to UC Berkeley campus right now because getting on campus housing 
is impossible. Jackie writes, can we all agree that all these regulations are just nimbyism? Urban and suburban areas are going to grow whether you like it or not. We have elitists out there looking out for their selfish desires. Lynn writes, the country and the world is becoming so much more provincial. People really should not even live in the whole town unless they're ready to embrace help and support the university. Jason writes, don't blame the law. Blame the decision makers at UC who didn't come clean about the environmental impact. There were a few people, Berkeley residents, who called in to talk about, you know, how UC Berkeley hasn't built any student housing in years. I think UC Berkeley is actually stretching it. I think they have a certain level of, I'm just going to say it, greed. And as a property owner in Berkeley, I think Berkeley, UC, has to start carrying its own weight. You see buildings going up all over that campus that are phenomenal-looking buildings. Why aren't they looking at the housing for their own students? And they need to think about how much growth do they need. I know Lydia Sidholm from The Daily Cal actually joined you on Forum. What did she say about how students are feeling about all of this? Yeah, I think Lydia was uh, saying that from her conversations with students, they were really appalled with the decision uh, to keep the enrollment cap. While a lot of students don't agree with the enrollment freeze, they do agree with the fact that Berkeley has a student housing crisis that needs to be addressed. And students are really concerned that those who will be turned away will be first-generation students or, you know, students whose families have low incomes. And, you know, it's important also to note that ever since UC Berkeley and the rest of the UCs have eliminated uh, the SAT requirement, applications to the system have gone up tremendously. So this is all happening against the backdrop of more students are applying to Cal, and these are some of the students who will be impacted. There's, you know, the the principle of of, uh, public education is to be able to educate as wide variety of students as possible and and as many students as possible. There there definitely needs to be um, more adequate resources and and maybe, uh, you know, these better, better policies and systems that UC Berkeley should implement should it, you know, increase enrollment. What has UC Berkeley's response been to all this? UC Berkeley has had an interesting response. A day after the news broke that the California Supreme Court was not going to review the lower court's decision to enforce an enrollment cap, UC Berkeley said that they had figured out a way to bypass the worst of what they had feared. Originally, UC Berkeley had said it was going to have to uh, not offer admission to 5,000 students uh, for the fall in order to reduce the number of students coming in to about 3,000. Well, UC Berkeley has come up with an idea about how to limit the impact of the ruling. And they're going to be doing that by asking about 1,000 students to just take their first semester online, and they're going to ask for another 650 students to defer admission to January 2023. Uh, However, it does mean that at least 400 graduate students uh, will not be offered enrollment than previously thought. So uh, UC Berkeley has been working really hard to try to limit the impact of this. At the same time, you know, they have really highlighted how unfair uh, this court ruling is and the actions of Save Berkeley Neighborhoods is because it's really impacting students who deserve to get a, a great education. Okay, so, I mean, Francis, this whole thing seems like a mess. <laughs> 
Whose responsibility is this problem where there isn't enough housing for students and non-students alike in Berkeley? I think what's happening right now is um, a reflection of attitudes that were held 30 years ago that impacted what was happening in Berkeley. And attitude, those attitudes have changed, but uh, they still have had impact. The city was built on this idea of, you know, single family residential neighborhoods that were reserved for white wealthy people. And for the longest time, there has been this sense, you know, Berkeley's a charming city, we want to keep this. So back in the 70s, a neighborhood preservation ordinance was passed in the city of Berkeley trying to limit the higher density construction in the neighborhoods. And that was sort of the beginning of this period where nothing was built in Berkeley. The city council was fine with that. And so, you know, the city of Berkeley obviously bears some responsibility for creating the situation because of its anti-housing policies. That has shifted. Now there's a new city council that wants to get rid of single-family zoning. It has apologized for its uh, racist redlining uh, of the past, and it is really pushing to change some zoning in some parts of the city to increase density so more housing can be constructed. You see, Berkeley plays a role, too, because building housing for students is very expensive. It's very hard to find a donor that's going to you know, give you millions of dollars to build a student dorm. And so UC Berkeley has not been constructing its own housing for decades. That's shifting now. Uh, it, it is planning over the course of a period of time, hopefully to build about 11,000 beds for, for students. The upshot is that there's a dire shortage of housing for UC Berkeley uh, students, faculty and staff in the city. I mean, my last question for you, Francis, is like, what questions do you have on this story looking ahead? I'm really curious if this conflict will maybe loosen the legislative pockets to provide funding for more student housing. I mean, we have a record surplus in California this year. What if the state government decided to provide, you know, more money for student housing? I mean, UC Berkeley now wants to build on nine sites around the city, but it doesn't have the money to do that. It, it, it is sort of going one project at a time. It's not easy to find the funding to build student housing. So perhaps this conflict will allow that to happen. And of course, you know, many legislatures are using this as an opportunity to once again create another carve out for CEQA. Um, there are certain projects already exempt from the CEQA process, such as building rapid bus lanes or bike lanes. And Scott Weiner has introduced a bill saying that building student housing would also be exempt from CEQA. So it'll be uh, interesting to see uh, what happens with that. I know legislators are eager to respond to this controversy, and that might be one way that they do it. Francis, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. That was Francis Dinkelspiel, a reporter and co-founder of Berkeley Side and the Oakland Side. You can follow more of Francis's coverage on this issue on Twitter. She's at Franny Dink. That's F-R-A-N-N-Y-D-I-N-K. Some related content for you if you liked this episode. We actually dug deep into the history of single-family zoning and its roots in Berkeley, California. 
We talk about single-family zoning's origins in Berkeley and the effect that it's had on housing in both California and around the country, as well as attempts to reverse that impact, including in Berkeley. And we'll leave you a link to that episode in our show notes. This episode of The Bay was produced and cut by editor Alan Montesilio and producer Maria Esquinka, who scored this episode and added the tape. You can keep in touch with me, Maria, and Alan on Twitter. We're at The Bay KQED, and I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thank you so much for listening. As always, talk to you next time. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.